I feel so called to do in life. My wife and I started Celebrate Recovery here at Refuge Church approximately three and a half years ago. It was and still is a growing ministry in our church. I want to take us on a journey because this evening, these are the first steps of a journey to recovery. But before we embark on this journey, this Wednesday night, I want to make sure that I have all the right people with me. So with a show of hands, who here has ever been hurt? Has anybody ever been hurt? This can be a self-inflicted injury or someone else's unkind and unloving actions. And if that's you, then you're in the right place tonight. But what about hang-ups? Have you ever had a hang-up in your entire life? Like maybe the desire to eat ice cream or dessert before dinner? Or what about the mattress syndrome? Okay, everybody's like, what's the mattress? You know what the mattress syndrome is. Your alarm goes off in the morning and your mattress captures you and you can't get out of bed. That is the mattress syndrome. It holds you hostage. What about the I'm good, I'm fine, and everything's going all right, and praise God. Because this is when your life is not actually going well. Everything is not all right, and so you avoid talking about it by trying not to actually answer the question. Because you don't want to be vulnerable. If that's you, you're in the right place tonight. Finally, does anyone here have habits? Good or bad We all have habits. This might go back to eating that dessert before dinner. But I'm going to let you be the judge of that, and I'm going to continue to eat dessert before dinner. (laughs) That'll preach, right? But before any journey, there is a season of packing, a season of preparing, and evaluating this journey that you're about to embark on. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 talks about a large crowd that came to Jesus. They were following him. And he turned around and he says to him, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, and we have to focus on that word, by comparison. Because if you elevate anything above that name Jesus, and Jesus in your life, then your life will get out of balance. It will become uncentered. You will find that you will stumble at times. So we use that word by comparison. Hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. He says, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now this is a journey you began today that will assist you in learning how to carry your cross. You will also learn what your cross is, how to define that cross in your life. But don't begin until you count the cost. That's what Jesus said. For you, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who couldn't finish building because he couldn't afford to finish it. But during any journey, there are pitfalls. There's ditches. 
that we can fall into. So we have to come to a place where we are willing to give up everything and do whatever it takes. In recovery, there's a really powerful statement, and it says, you have to hurt too much not to change. You have to come to a point in your life where the change has to occur. Jesus goes on to say, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything that you own. Now at this point, you have to come to a place where everything else in your life is trivial in comparison to the change that you want to see or that you're seeking on this journey of recovery. Now, if you will, for a moment, pray with me as I pray over the service. Pray for yourself and just pray for, for God's word to go forth and that what he has given me tonight would hit the mark for us personally. Lord Jesus, we come to you in this moment, Lord. We elevate your name above every name, Jesus. We come seeking your will for our lives. Come seeking your uh, words that they might adhere to our hearts, pierce into the very marrow of who we are, Lord. We pray, Jesus, that you would continue forward. Go to those that are online, outside of this place, Lord, and just pierce their hearts as well, Lord. Let anyone who is seeking for change come and hear this word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We start with the first mile. I ask you a question. I start with a question. Are you wearing a mask of denial today? Before you can make any progress on this journey of recovery, you need to first face your denial. As soon as you remove your mask, your journey of recovery, this journey that we're on begins or begins again. It doesn't matter if you're new in church or you've been in church walking this way for years. Because denial can rear its ugly head at any time and return. You may trade addictions, form new bad habits, hurt in a new way, or get into a new relationship that is unhealthy for you in a different way than the previous one that you had. So this lesson really is for all of us. It's not just those that are in recovery. We give a negative commentation to the word recovery. Can I tell you this? That recovery is like sanctification in the sense that we are all on a journey and a process that God is cleansing our hearts, roughing off the edges that we've developed through our relationship, through our lives. This is like that. You see, we've adopted a saying around the Celebrate Recovery, though. Denial is not a river in Egypt. But what is it? You see, denial is defined as a false system of beliefs that are not based on reality and a self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. You know, as kids, we, we come up with these skills to cope in our life. And they come in handy when we didn't get the attention that we wanted from our parents or others, and they actually block the pain in our life. All our fears are blocked by these coping mechanisms that we use. And for a time, those coping mechanisms, they work. But as the years progress, they confuse and cloud our view of the truth of our own lives. 
You see, as we grow, our perception of ourselves and our expectations of all those around us also grow. But because we held on to those childish methods of coping, our perceptions of reality become increasingly more unrealistic and distorted. Our coping skills grew into denial. And most of our relationships end up broken or less fulfilling than they could have ever been. When a married couple comes into counseling, one of the most popular things that's said is they changed. They say they changed. Something's different about them. They're not the same person I married when I first got with them. And the spouse is actually making a claim that's very true. And it's a very real fact. But the reason for that is that at some point, the mask came off. At some point, all those coping mechanisms that they had in their life stopped working. Let me ask, did you ever deny that your parents had problems? Did you ever deny that you had problems? The truth is, I think, I believe, we can all answer yes to some extent of that question. But for some of us, that denial turned into shame and guilt. It's like that pink elephant in the room, and everybody's standing there going. They don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to say that denial's in the house, but there they are. If we don't talk about it, it's going away. <laughs> well, the reality, it's there, right? You see, no one in the family talks about it, and they don't acknowledge it in any way. Let me ask you some comments. I'm going to ask you if any of these sound familiar to you. Can't we stop talking about it? Talking only makes it worse. Billy, if we don't talk about it, it's going to go away. Honey, let's pretend that it didn't really happen. If I tell her that it hurts me when she says that, I'm afraid she's going to leave me. He really doesn't drink that much. It really doesn't hurt when he does that. I'm fine. Sam drinks a whole lot more than I do. Joanne has been married three times, and I've only been married twice. I eat because you make me so mad. And if you didn't nag me all the time, I wouldn't. And look, honey, I have a tough job. I work hard. I need a few drinks to relax. It doesn't mean that I have a problem. That's denial. That right there is denial. And as I said earlier before, we can take the first step of this journey that I'm taking you on tonight of recovery. But we have to first admit that we have denial in our lives. You see, denial, what it does is it disables our feelings. It, it has energy lost. It negates our growth. It isolates us from God. It alienates us from our relationships, and it lengthens the pain. See, it disables our feelings first. Because what do we do? We hide our feelings. We live in a state of denial that freezes our emotions and it binds us. And understanding in our feelings is where we actually can find true freedom. Second Peter chapter 2 says, They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. You see, for me, the test of freedom is not what I am free to do. It is what I'm free not to do. I'm free not to take that drink. I'm free not to smoke that weed. Take the addiction of pornography. Watch those shows I shouldn't watch. I'm free not to do those things. 
And we find this freedom to be free when our true feelings are centered on Christ and we step out of our own control and out of our own denial. The next letter is E, which stands for energy lost. You know, a major side effect of denial in our lives is anxiety. Does anybody ever experience anxiety? Have you ever had anxiety? Yes, I have too. And anxiety costs us to waste energy. Dealing with past hurts, failures, and the fear of the future increases anxiety. And this is where you can get when you're trying to hide a lie. You know, it's like telling a lie and then you have to tell another lie to cover the lie that you just told so that the lie can be continuously covered up. And what it does is every time you tell the lie, it gets heavier. And you get caught in this cycle of lying. And the anxiety just continues to build. Every time you go, oh, I hope she doesn't look at the computer. I hope she doesn't do this. I hope she doesn't do that. That's anxiety. And all that happens is you, until you get to a point where all you feel is anxiety. But as you go through this journey, you will learn that it is only in the present that positive change can occur. You see, worrying about the past and dreading the future makes us unable to live and enjoy God's plans for us here in the present moment. We let our fears and our worries paralyze us. But the only lasting way we can be free from them is by giving them to God. Psalms 146 says, He gives us justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. So if you'll transfer this energy required for denial into learning God's truth in your life, there will become a healthy love for others and yourself. You see, as you depend more and more on Him and less and less on you, the light of truth and reality will come through. Now we will move on to that next letter, N, which is a denial. It negates your growth. We are as sick as our secrets. And again, we cannot grow in recovery or on this journey of recovery until we are ready to step out of that denial and into his truth. God is waiting to take your hand and bring you out of that place of bondage. The Bible says in Psalms 107, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their bondage. As you travel the road of your recovery, you will come to understand that God never wastes a hurt. That's not just the addiction. That's every single hurt in your life. He's not going to waste it. God is never going to waste your darkness the places that you've been, the places that you've had to go in your life, he's never going to waste it. But you can't use it unless you step out of your denial into his light and his truth. You know, denial will also isolate you from God. This is a clear example in Adam and Eve. They're great examples of this. Their secrets and denial separated them from true fellowship with God. You see, after they sinned, their secret separated them. Genesis 3.10 tells us that Adam and Eve hid from God because they felt naked and ashamed. But of course, good old Adam, what does he do? He tries to rationalize. He said to God, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave her the tree and I did eat. So not only did he try to rationalize, but what he did also was try to blame it on Eve. 
But you have to remember that God's light shines on the truth. Our denial keeps us in the dark. 1 John chapter 1 says, This then is the message which we heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, our denial not only isolates us from God, it also alienates us from our relationships. You know, denial tells you you're going to get away with it. We think no one knows, but they do. And while denial may shield us from the hurt, it also keeps us from helping ourselves or the people who we truly care about. We don't dare reveal our true selves to others for fear of what they'll think of us. Sure, if they just really knew who I was, what would they think? What would they do? And we have to protect ourselves, our secrets, at any cost. So we isolate ourselves and thereby minimize the risk of exposure and possibly rejection from others. But I ask you, at what price do you do this? The eventual loss of all your important relationships. So I gave you the problem, but what's the answer? Ephesians 4.25 tells us, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Remember, it is always better to tell the ugly truth rather than a beautiful lie. And finally, denial lengthens the pain. You see, we have this false belief that denial protects us from our pain. But what denial does is it allows our pain to fester like a splinter under the skin. And it grows and it turns into shame and guilt. And denial extends your hurt and it multiplies your problems. But truth, like surgery, may hurt for a while, but it heals. See, God promises us in Jeremiah 30, verse 17, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord, for you are called an outcast, Jerusalem, for whom no one cares. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bonds and sunder, is what he did. And recover, recovery has these steps, and every step is built upon the next step. To reach that final destination of recovery. Now before you begin this exciting journey, you need to ask yourself some questions. What are those questions? Do this with me. Ask yourself honestly. Am I going to let my past failures keep me from taking this journey? Am I afraid to change? And what are my fears of the future? Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has a plan that is unique to you. It is unique to everyone. Say that with me. Point to yourself and say, God has a plan that is unique for me. You see, this plan is for the good. It's not a life full of dependencies, addictions, and obsessions. And this verse, this verse also tells us we need to be willing to get rid of the unnecessary baggage, those past failures in our lives that keep us stuck. Look at that verse again. What does it say? It says, let us throw off everything that hinders us 
and the sin that so easily entangles us. You see, for us, we know that our, per, our past hurts and our past hang-ups and habits is what slows us down. It trips us up and it holds us back from moving forward in our walk with God. If we form a habit to pray daily, then what happens? We develop a prayer life. But if we let our past times of not praying dictate our future of praying, then the bad habit continues in our life. You see, we want to have a relationship either with God or with the people of God, but it is a choice to pursue that relationship or not. Our habits have a big role to play in how that happens. See, what about hurts, though? They play an even bigger role in our decision, making the friendships that we want or that we're willing to have. Even our habits have a way of affecting our relationships. If I'm an over, overeater, then I might not want to go around people and eat. It keeps me from doing this. But how many times have these things that are weighing heavy on your mind caused you to have sleepless nights, caused harm to your relationships, and even caused you to lose a job? You see, for many people, including myself, that walked into the doors of Celebrate Recovery, we were stuck in a cycle of bitterness over what someone had done to us. And we continued to hold on to the hurt, and we refused to forgive the people who had hurt us. You see, in turn, hurt you hurt other people at times as, learn, as a learned coping mechanism in your life. It's like that old adage, hurt people hurt people. So I would say, don't be surprised if at some point someone hurts you in a place of refuge. When they themselves are learning to trust again and there is a perceived misunderstanding. We need to be quick to offer grace. But I acknowledge that you have been hurt deeply. Perhaps you were abused as a child or maybe you were in a marriage where your spouse even committed adultery. I want you to know that I hurt for you. I believe that you can change and that you can be healed it can be tonight when these altars are open, or it can be in your house in a time of prayer. God can heal you. He can take that pain, those things in your life, and remove them, those festering wounds of hurt. But holding on to that hurt, not being willing to forgive the person who hurt you in the past is actually allowing them to continue to hurt you right now. See, when you, put your, when you put Jesus in the center of your life, you can find courage and strength to forgive those people. And as you travel this journey of recovery, God will help you find the willingness to forgive them and be free of their hold on your life. But there are some people here tonight that you're suffering from guilt. You're bound by it. You keep beating yourself up over some past failure, and you're, you're just trapped in it. You're stuck in it, in that guilt. And you think no one could ever forgive you for the terrible things that you have done. But you're wrong because God can. God can forgive that. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He knows everything you've ever done and everything you've ever experienced. He's with you when you feel lonely and lost in this world. He felt your pain when you had little to no hope. Even right now in your painful situation, he is currently with you. 
He dwells with you. And he is there as a comforter for you. Just call out his name. You see, he had, he felt your pain. He felt when you had no hope. He felt these things with you. I want you to know that God is with you. I'm going to show you this example expressed from Jesus was talking to the Pharisees when he told them this in Matthew 25, verse 35. He says, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? I mean, when did we ever see you sick in prison and visit you? And Jesus says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. He is with you, even when you're not aware that he is with you. He sees everything that you do and doesn't judge you for those things, but instead is extending a hand of grace and mercy, of love, saying, come to me. You see, there was this man named Saul, who later would be known as Paul. Paul had a lot of regrets about his past. Paul even participated in the death of Stephen, or Stephen, however you pronounce it, before his own personal conversion to Jesus. And even with all those regrets, Paul's life, he wrote these words in Philippians 3. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Here is the essential point. If you want to be free of your past hurts, habits, and hang-ups, then you have to deal with your past hurts, habits, and hang-ups. There has to be a point where you say, I'm going to get rid of this bitterness in my life, this guilt for the last time. You know, you almost have to get angry, in a sense. You have to get angry at the sin in your life, at the things that are in your life, keeping you from going that deeper level with God. You have to say, you know, I'm not willing to go this way anymore. I want God. I want to see what God can do with me when I give up, and I I stop trying to control everything. You need to do as what Isaiah 43 says. Verse 18 tells us to do. He says, forget the former things and don't dwell in the past. But that doesn't mean ignoring the past. I've heard it said that you just need to forget the past and move on. But I'm not going to ever forget what God brought me out of, okay? I'm never going to say, I'm just going to forget about that. No, I'm going to continue to praise God every chance I get for what he brought me out of. So I'm not willing to forget those things. Yeah, I'm not going to dwell. I'm not going to I'm not going to glorify them, but I tell you this, I'm going to praise him for that. Your past is not meant to be a stumbling block, but it is meant for us to learn, to offer forgiveness, to make amends and to release it. You know, when you come to Jesus and you're baptized in that name and your past is washed away, that That right there tells you your past doesn't define you anymore. 
But what does it do? It defines who he is. It defines his love for you and for me. And it tells us about his sacrifice, his willingness to go to that cross. But only when you release this can you be free of your guilt, your grudges, and those griefs in your life. And we have all stumbled, stumbled over a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit at some point. But that doesn't mean that the race is, is over. You know, because God doesn't look at where you're at right now. He's wanting you to finish. He looks at where you finish. He's, he's looking at that point in time. Are you willing to finish? You know, I acknowledge the fact that you may worry about your future and be afraid to change, or even if you can change. There's a part of you that says, can I change? But the truth is we all worry about things we don't have control over. And we don't have the power to change. And really what worrying is, is just a lack of trust in God. I have this trust and I can say without a doubt or a fear that the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? And you may have been in your hurt, your habit, or your hang-up for so long that it has become who you are, your identity. You're thinking, what will happen if I really take this recovery journey or give it a chance? I mean, can I change? Is it capable that I could change? Is it possible that I could become different? You know, if I give up my old hurts, hang-ups, and habits, I mean, who am I going to be? Who am I going to become? And you might have been abusing alcohol. You might have been abusing prescription drugs or food. Or even trying to control every relationship you get into. And you've even allowed others to control you. Or move on from this hard divorce in your life. And you're afraid of what will, what's going to happen without your habit or your substance of choice. You, you might have even been in an enabling relationship for, or dysfunctional relationship for years. And perhaps at some point you wondered, you just kind of wondered, what if I change and my alcoholic, drug-popping, abusive spouse gets upset at me? But can I say God doesn't want you to stay in a frozen and an unhealthy relationship or a bad habit? He wants you to do your part in becoming healthy. Even if our past was extremely painful, we may still resist change and the freedom that can be found in taking this journey of recovery. And because of our fear of the unknown or because of our despair, we just close our minds because we think we don't deserve any better. But I say, remember these words of John found in 1 John verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Tonight, you're not here by mistake. Tonight, none of us are here by mistake. God has made a way for you where you thought there was no way. You might be listening online. I might be speaking to somebody here in this audience tonight. But it is my prayer that you will not let your past failures or your fear of the future stop you from really trying to take this journey of recovery. I'm closing. The musicians can come. Today, I encourage you to step out of your denial. Walking out of your denial is not an easy thing to do, and taking off that mask is hard. Everything about you shouts, don't do it, it's not safe. But can I tell you it is safe? It's safe here at Refuge Church. Here you have people who care about you, who love you for who you are. 
people who will stand beside you as truth becomes a way of life. And Jesus tells us, he says, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So step out of your denial so you can step into Jesus' unconditional love and grace and begin your healing journey of recovery. Please stand with me this evening. I'm going to open these altars here up here in a moment. Before I do, I want to address us as the church. As someone who went through this process, you know, I understand that there are some of us that are either listening online or here in person tonight that this message spoke deeply to you. You've been stuck in a cycle of sobriety that no matter what you do never seems to work. And although you want to quit that thing in your life, it just keeps sucking you back in. But to those of us that this message might have been out of the ordinary for you, and it might not have spoken to you on a personal level, I want to tell you that in our community right now, there are, suffering, there are people who are suffering in bondage of the hurts and hang-ups and habits that are destroying their families, their local businesses, their children's lives, and really the fabric of our society. So maybe you never struggled with addictions or have ever been in a codependent relationship in your own life. But for a moment tonight, I ask you to pray for the city of liberty, for the surrounding area that we live in, for those that are going through this addictions, the need to have healing. Because I believe that if we do that tonight, that we can break down spiritual strongholds and the lives of those that are out there and that are in need of an answer for something more. So if you will, church, these altars are open. Will you pray with me for a moment? Lord Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I pray to you tonight. I pray, Lord, for those that are out there in our community, those that are here tonight that heard this word, that need this word in their own life, Jesus. Lord, we know that you can do a miraculous work in someone's life. You can deliver them, but there are some people who need the change, who need your spirit to change, who need your words and your love in their life, Lord. And we just pray for this, this community, this city that we live in, because, Lord, we know there's a revival that's coming to this city, Lord. We know that right now there are many that are in our community who are seeking for healing, who are seeking for your power, Lord. And they desire it, Jesus. And we just pray right now for you, Lord, to move in their moment, to move in their situation, Lord. For you are the God of the healed. You are the God. You are the powerful one, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. So forgive me.